Podcast. This is Just Enough for the City, episode 9. Is it 9 or 99? Oh. Well, I'm an episode behind. Why don't you get involved in our podcast? <laughs> we have a podcast? I'm your host, Regina Hill, and... This bitch over here zipping up bags. We have a guest who <laughs> is already... Already doesn't know how to act. It's a live to tape. And Danielle. <laughs> hey. More guests. Okay, so I'm your host, Regina, and Danielle. Right, cheers. We're having some home. <laughs> this show is brought to you by. What? No, no. Just kidding. So y'all send a check. Y'all better send a check. But some it's some more. type of ghetto alcohol spritzer. No, girl, it is a flavored beer. But it only has 4.5% alcohol, which means that we would have to drink, like, all of them. How many calories? Yeah, I know. It's probably all sugar. Wait, I don't want to talk about it. 4% alcohol? Let's pretend it has more and just get drunk. That's just rude. It is. It's inconsiderate. Why would you even waste <laughs> whatever you... It's what? like you spent all this money developing the can, the logo, the flavors, but you just don't leave out the alcohol? Why? It's like a sugarless cake, you know? Like, fuck you. Those damn... Or a flourless <laughs> cake. Like, what is, what is that? Actually, I do like flowers cake because I like the density. Actually, it's like moussey. Yes, I like that. I do feel it, too. Yeah, but no, I hate that shit. So, yes, I did... We both had... Well, I don't know about you, but I had a comedy-filled week. Cheerie! Round of applause. Yay! Can we put, like, laughter and applause there? They'll talk to the sound designers. What other way? <laughs> Which would be me. <laughs> this is we don't have a staff, don't we? <laughs> talk to the staff. <laughs> you better talk to Michael in engineering. I'm, we should I'm talented. We should. I'm gonna speak to Michael in engineering wait, about oh, that. Wait, we have Michael on the line. Uh, y'all for the response. Hello, hello, guys. Uh, what is everything we okay? Why does Michael sound like that? Because he's a fucking sound engineer. What do you think he sounds like? Is everything all right? Is everything all right? Oh, Danielle? No, I want some applause after oh, okay, I say okay, that okay, I've yeah, had a comedy yeah. week. You know, Look, um, don't treat me like I'm an angry black woman, Michael. Whoa, whoa. Listen, Danielle, we've already, we have HR has already stepped in once. We and, have HR too? Yeah. <laughs> do it. We are a full company. Okay. We have an IPO. We're going public. LLC. Like Empire. <laughs> Shout out to Lucius. Oh my gosh, I can't wait till next season. Mm, me either. I'll take forever. What is it? You think it's, no, it's going to be like irregular. They're gonna, I'm so used to now the whole having to wait a year for Netflix and all that. Yeah, I but you, I feel like shows. Empire, we're going to have to wait a minute. Do, do we know our yeah, audience members? Do we know how long we're going to have to wait? Are you serious? Do you see that? What are they fucking Game of Thrones? <laughs> They got a CGI and some dragons. Lucius went natural, so they got to make sure his curl <laughs> pattern is correct Lucy. when they come back. No, you, you remember the first episode, he straight up had a perm, and then the second episode... He, Terrence is always... He that's his in his contract. Hat. He says, I need to have... I'm going to start everything with a perm. I don't know. He's got a guy that he has written into every contract that keeps his S... Because isn't his S curl... <laughs> isn't his S curl in Wayward Pines? His new show? Oh, that's the M. Night Shyamalan show. That's why he's it's taking so long because he's so greedy with all the jobs. <laughs> I hate that. This is ethnic cast and these black people stealing all our jobs. I'm saying no. I'm just saying like him and Kevin Hart. I hate when they act like they gotta take all like stuff. All you know. the jobs. You ain't like, none of your friends can be put on Kevin Hart because he has a lot of comedian no, friends. No, Kevin Hart now has this thing. He's the plastic cup boys. 
I'm going to support it because that's, that's what you should do. But it's basically me, a bunch of loud mouth. Like, I'm already judged. Loud mouth. Tell us what the facts are. aggressive <laughs> and boisterous. No, it's like. And a, boisterous. It's for the urban All market. All those code words. Okay, sorry. Um, you can go now, Michael. Thank- okay, okay, bye. <laughs> bye, guys. Michael's off the clock. Anyway, tell us about your two shows this my week. My comedy week. So it's been a, an incredible week for, for me with my my seeking of a comedy career. I got a chance to go to the Funny Girls premiere party, which Funny Girls on Lifetime started on April 7th. And it's following Ooh. the lives of a handful of women comedians. I want to say it's six of them. Um, and Yamanika Saunders, who is an amazing comic. Y'all should check her out. And hopefully we'll have her on the show. She invited me out and literally was like, don't tell anyone. This is like a private party for my comedian friends. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm about to be in a room with all her comedian friends. And I was. It was like maybe, I want to say a good 60 plus different comedians in there, some of whom I've met. Before some of whom I've, whom I've seen their comedy, and some why of them this, are a little bit this, famous. Why the secret? Um, well, I didn't because names. I don't. I don't know like all the names. Like if I'm going to get them wrong, but I met this comedian named Lord, like L O R D. He's really hilarious. He does a lot of writing, comic writing as well. Nice. Um, I met Kyle um, Brooks. No, wrong name. See, I knew I was going to do that. I met Kyle Groom. Ooh. who has been on a lot of things. He's mostly known for his Barack Obama voice oh, thing that he oh, does. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then I met a bunch of other people. I met Khalees Hawkins, who's also on the show, the other, yeah, the only other the black other, girl on the show. She's the only other black girl. There's, I mean, surprisingly, there are two black girls on the show. Do so they I'm make really them fight each other and say no, they're actually, aggressive there's things no, about their hair? The girls that are fighting are the white girls. Actually, the girls that are fighting what? are the white girls. I there's won't a watch Jewish it girl. No. Who's kind of, and I don't want to say anything bad about her because I know we're both starting in this comedy game, and I don't want to. Don't make you enemies. listen? I love the Jews. I love the Jews. No, my, but you my see na- on the show. My neighbor's Jewish. Because you were supposed don't to bring watch me the show. That. I live in a Jewish neighborhood. Just, bitch. Everything around oh me is God, kosher. You do, and that was crazy to me because I is. Um, anyway, we'll talk about that later. But anyway, no. Put a, put a pin in that and think so about it. So the white girls are fighting. Oh my God. Yeah. So the white girls are fighting on Funny Girls, um, which is really funny to watch because it's not us and and Yamanika is actually pretty much the star of the show her comedy is by far the most relatable um and she's just she's just really good and I'm so thankful for her for inviting me because I did a lot of networking um met some people that I'm, I'm linking up with got some numbers um and then the next day I had to go off for a show at comedy for comedy school dropouts which was at Poco Lounge here in New York um this comedian that we had in our class, Mary Dana, who's going to be on the show. Yeah, we told him about that. Um, yeah, she she has this series that we like to perform at every month called Comedy School Dropouts. And the audience is predominantly white. Um, and I found out that I'm really comfortable with that. I'm really comfortable. And I don't know if it's with the audience because I've performed there several Bye. times. Bye. We're losing a member. Losing our, oh. We're losing the whole audience. Oh, We're but boring there's them. more people coming in right now. So All of like, the, oh, Bye. Come in, guys. Here comes the audience. Hello. Hey. 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 Okay. Be quiet. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Everybody sit down. So, um, yeah. So, it was, I realized that I was really comfortable with that audience. And like I said, I don't know if it's because of, um, it's easy for me to be comfortable in front of white people because of my racial humor. They, they, they get it more. Or if it's because I've performed at this venue several times before and I just got a comfort level with it. 
But either way, I found myself not freaking out like I normally do. Um, I did prepare because I normally don't prepare. I'll be like, I'm going to talk about these things and wing it. I did kind of write a few punchlines just to make sure that I hit certain things. But I let my nerves go. Like, I really made a conscious effort to let my nerves go. And I felt a difference as I went on stage and just kind of related to the audience. I talked to them. I felt them. And it made it set up my set for a really good, just flowing conversation, which is what I like about my comedy is that I create a conversation. And I'm sure other people probably feel the same way, but I, specifically for me, that's what I do. And that went a well. A conversation about what? Um, just whatever it is that my, my set's about. If I'm talking about being fat, which is a lot of what I used this week, was some fat jokes and things, and I'm, I'm playing with the self-deprecation humor um, to see how I feel about that. But it's just, instead of me feeling like I'm talking at these people, I, I talked with them. You know how I do, Regina. You've seen how I mm -hmm. like to interact with the audience. And so I brought that same comfort. I'm going to spit chips on my lip. I brought that same comfort to the black show. I had a black, predominantly black audience in Brooklyn on Thursday night at this uh, venue called Chance 11. On Thursdays, they do ha-ha mm -hmm. Thursdays. And um, I was nervous. I was really nervous because I don't know if this is a widely known thing in comedy, but I think so that black audiences are a little bit harder. You have to work a little bit harder at the jokes. Yeah, we talked about this last week. Yeah, and I, and I actually spoke about it to some of the comedians that I met this week, and they were like, yeah, that is a known thing. You do have to catch them and punch them in the face as soon as you get up there, or you'll lose them. Mm -hmm. So I experienced it firsthand. It ended up being a ladies' night on at Chance 11. So all the women So there, it was all, all yeah, okay. all the comedians were women, and the audience was obviously uh, mixed. That's fun. Which is fun, because you get a chance to what see. What kind of place is this? It's is a it? restaurant. Okay. It's a restaurant, you know, New York, how it, everything doubles. Of course. So they do karaoke and comedy and all kinds of fun stuff, so there's not actually a stage. So it was also in a situation where I felt like Beyonce, you know how like Beyonce performs in these stages and like the audience is all around her. Uh -huh. That's kind of how it felt. So I had to like several times be conscious of who I'm talking to. So I would talk to this side of the room. I would turn around and talk to that side of the room. Uh, you know, and I made sure that I talked to everybody. Because it wasn't the normal comedy set. It wasn't like a stage. stage. brick wall. Yeah, stuff. which is another factor that plays into your performance. Definitely. Um, and speaking of things that play into your performance, I went on third. Out of four comedians. So I went directly. Third. Right? I went directly before the headliner. Shout out to Dell Harrison, who is freaking hilarious. And she's also going to be on our show soon. Oh, nice. Um, and she was the headliner. So I, I went before her and I felt comfortable. But the girls that went before me, the two that went up before me, they were very. The first girl, she was a white girl. And there was there's a certain level of. Um, comfort that she had and you could tell she's been doing this for a while mm. but she consciously tried to do black jokes okay and I'm not sure if they received it well I watched the audience as she performed just to see what the faces and the crowd's reaction was and I saw that a lot of them weren't really like into it I don't know if it was her jokes because I giggled at a lot of her stuff I don't know if it was her jokes or if it was just this white girl trying to do black stuff we don't want to hear that because sometimes it works it works for Louis C.K. It works for, you what know. You, like, what do you mean by doing, like, give me an example. Um, so she did, like, Jamaican jokes. Oh, okay. You know, talking about. It's very, also very specific. Very specific, which is also, you know, smart sometimes. Which, I think. And I think sometimes that specific, 
specificity is always good. It's always to have, especially a point of view, whether you're writing for comedy or doing your own material. But I will say that there is, you do run the risk sometimes of alienating people only because I don't know a lot of Jamaican people. I'm often uh, mistaken for a Jamaican person. So Clearly, because people have, love stereotypes. So I make jokes about that because I'm astounded by the amount of people that just assume I'm Jamaican because I have dreadlocks. And, so, that's you know, the and, and I have a funny bit about that, and I, it's just um, great to run with it sometimes. <laughs> and, but uh, I don't, because I'm not very familiar with that culture. I think a lot of those jokes would just probably follow fly over my head if they and weren't. And they flew over my head. If, yeah, if they weren't um, broad enough to be like, well, I just know that that's contextually funny. Yeah. And, she, you know, it's a gamble, but, you know, I think she read the audience and thought, someone's got to be Jamaican. Someone's going to like Brooklyn. it. Yeah, and another one of the, right. And another <laughs> one, somebody's got to Somebody's big. And another one of the things she brought up was um, dating black men, uh-huh. which works. That always works, I think, with any audience, because... You're crossing cultures. So yeah. you're talking to this one and you're talking to that one. And, and I think that some things, though, are just been mined to death. She had a lot of things that were mined to death. So it's just like she had I, I, ex- stuff. I expect um, definitely for a, a – I expect now for white, all white um, female comedians to make some sort of comment about black men's penises or it's like it's so such a she, given oh god she did I, that I, for I, a long time i wish i could have a dollar for every time some white comedian or not even non-black comedian wanted to go on and on about this myth of the huge black cock yeah and like it's not and it's of course sometimes it can true. be funny but more often than i just find myself groaning because i'm like enough especially comics our age it seems like such an older woman lisa lampanelli um you know kathy griffin type of Roseanne era joke. Yeah, it's so tired now. When I'm like, girl, seriously, I know that's we were I in school at the same time at one point. Right, it, I, and that's why I believe that the more specific your comedy is, yeah, the better and more personal. So the she better. had been like, I dated a black guy, and talked about him and that. Um, I don't know, or like, a, I don't know. I don't know how that could be. I'm not sure how she. You can specify dick jokes and dick pic jokes yeah. and. and but, I, you know, it was just like, oh, you know, even my friend whispered to me, that dick pic joke is kind of old, right? Yeah. Because it was the idea of when you send girls the dick pic, they show everybody. Yeah. So Which I we talked about last week. And I was just thinking about that. I was like, we totally talked about that. But all I think I gave, and her name is Jessica Stern, the comedian I'm talking about, because I really... I liked her energy a lot, and I did love how she stayed in it, because that audience was really, it was loud, they were talking, they were rude, but she stayed in it, and that's yeah, one that's thing. Yeah, that's the worst of rude audiences. Yeah. I can't, and I hate, I had a really rude audience of the, not the, I think my first comedy school dropout, you know, it was. It was a little. Yeah, I mean, my whole, my whole tape on it. I even tried so hard to like mute some of the people in the background who just feel like I can't, I don't risk, I don't appreciate the audience member that feels like this is some sort of um, like this is us. We're not, we're having a conversation sir, yes, but I'm the one speaking and you're listening. I, I, you're an yeah, see, I don't member. mind, if it's ongoing then I'm like, okay, please mm-hmm. stop with the heckling, but I don't mind it because I do like to interact with, it makes me feel more comfortable and, oh, no. No. So, and, to, and to wrap things up around my, my comedy week I just, I really am um, surprised by how well I did in front of that crowd because of 
the amount of noise that they were offering in the show. And because of how the other two comics did before me, I was very nervous that I would get the same amount of disrespect. Oh, but he introduced. Like they were kind of disrespectful. They were no, they were totally disrespectful. What? Well, because speak it was on that because that's something we haven't really spoken. It about. was like I said, it was loud, you know, right, and it right, was right. to the point where. Um, and this show started at what time? Oh, girl, that was another thing. Oh, I was told that they Sheila. did karaoke between seven and nine. I got there at nine, and they were still doing karaoke. To loosen up for myself, so, oh, I... Sorry, so do you think some of the people from the karaoke spilled over to the comedy? Oh, no, they totally stayed for it. Oh, God. Yeah, they totally stayed so for it. Were, uh, so they were already turned and ready and willing to sing and be loud and have the show be about them. They'd be like, it'd be great if we could also keep singing. Well, They were like, we're just going to keep playing karaoke while the show's going on. And so it was just like... The booklet way. Right. <laughs> and you're like, I'm... Yeah, but so it cool. was actually cool because I got a chance to loosen up and I I did Black Streets No Diggity <laughs> so that I could loosen up and feel the crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's it, a good it idea. That's it good really idea. did help me. It broke my nerves up. And um but the the audience, like I said, it was just really loud and really hard to talk around them to the point where several times during people's set, the host had to like shush them like a kindergarten teacher. Which I was like, this is so embarrassing. And he even every time that he did his set in between us you know, he tried. He tried to let them know about themselves and be like, you know, quiet down. Or so he made jokes do, around it. How did, what did you do for those that like? I haven't. I, anybody that's ever interrupted my set, unfortunately, has been a friend. <laughs> so it's just like I just ignore them, yeah. or because I know it's a friend, and I think that's a totally different reaction to have as opposed to someone who is being. These are how, how do you handle that? Well, for me, um, because. The the host of the show, Javon, shout out to you, Javon, he introduced me in a way that was like, Danielle's been doing comedy for almost a year. So I think the way that he set it up, they were like, oh, she's an underdog. Let's pay attention. Because I felt immediately like I had more respect than those other girls. But as it went on, because it was an eight to ten minute set, okay. as it went on, they kept getting louder. And at one point, I was like, well, it was one particular guy that was like being so, and I was like, well, boo-boo. Are you paying attention over there? Because I'm, I'm trying to make you laugh, and this is not easy. And I just, and I started talking to him, and I said, "Well, what's your name? Because you're so cute." And so he gave, he said, "Oh, my name is Prince." Oh, you put this, and on I put Instagram. it on Instagram, and I was like, "Oh, you know." And I joked that. about how he spells his name with a Y and a dollar sign. So I just, because I am so comfortable with talking to the audience and hecklers, I just riff on them, and you know, it takes a lot of wit and and confidence to continue to talk with the audience in that way. So that's something I suggest using whenever you're dealing with somebody that doesn't, that wants to be a part of your set. Um, Dale Harrison, who has been doing this for a lot longer than both of us, she likes to also interact with the audience. Mm -hmm. And a girl was, you know, doing a lot of like shouting out to her about the things she was saying. So at one wait, point, wait, slow down, slow down, wait, so she would, Dale was on the, on Dell was like on stage. So she, and this, what was this woman saying? So Dell was talking. I can't remember specifics, but Dell was talking. Let's say Dell was talking about sex, and this girl was like, "Yeah, because my man, blah blah blah." And oh, yeah, girl. You've got to be and me. so because Dell is got to be kidding me. No, it's hey, it's how these things go sometimes. And because Dell is, I've I've just met her, and I met her at the party for Funny Girls. But I think. She's a consummate professional, and I love the way that you she have to be. was able to use that girl. And she even said at one point, I think in her third interruption, she was like, thank you to my comedy assistant over uh, here, you know. And she, and she didn't well. make her feel bad, 
Yeah, you should throughout never... the show she would high five the girl. You know, whenever there was something really funny, and she also laughed, she would high five the girl. never a good idea to respond in anger to a heckler. I've been in shows. Uh, not like Kramer. With, yeah, <laughs> where the comedian before me either said, been like taking it to the left or try to, you never want to look mean. And and sometimes that person can aid you. And I think she sounds like Dan, D- Dale handled that like a freaking pro, which is yeah. a, a really hard thing to do to try to incorporate that person and not let it throw and you And not off. let it throw you anytime, or take over your show. Anytime anybody's ever said something to me, and I actually, there was one time someone did say something rude to me when I was on stage, and I, it was just, it was so impassing, and, and you could tell that it was someone who, who it kind of wonk wonked on him, like people were more like, oh, shut up. <laughs> As opposed to, he didn't really go with it with Yeah, because sometimes it works, sometimes it helps your show, and sometimes it doesn't. It was why I was more embarrassed for him, but I didn't even, I just kind of act like I didn't hear him. Because right. it was like, was his, his friends were like, shut up. Ah. But ah. In, cl- in closing on my week of comedy, my biggest takeaway is confidence. Yeah. Um, that was something that Dale actually called out as I was leaving the stage. She says, I really am impressed that you've only been doing this for almost a year. And there's so much confidence. She was like, you have it. You have the confidence that I am still fighting to get. And she said, if you have that now, the way that you do, you're going to soar. So that's the one thing that I would definitely offer to any other comedian, actor, whatever it is. Don't make any, and that's like the biggest lesson. Don't make any of it personally about what's going on outside of you. Don't make it about the audience, whether or not they're black or white, whether or not they're loud or quiet, whether or not they're laughing or not. None of it matters because that's not going to feed into your confidence. Yeah. And that really was my biggest lesson and my biggest takeaway of the week. And I'm so glad that I learned all those things in such a short time. Yay! Yay, comedy! New York City, we now have a dildo terrorist. Dun, dun, dun. Um, this very adorable little... He looks older. I don't know. I can't place how old he is. We... We don't All have Asian men, men look old. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> they No. But uh, the dildo terrorist is this Asian guy who's running around on the subway. He has what people are estimating to have, be a 14 to 16 inch um, brown or I can't tell. No, it's black. black. It's, it's black. like not like it's black, black. It's like supposed to be one of those realistic looking dildos, but looks nothing like the, a real penis. I think it's the double sided joint. That like lesbians use? No, no, it's because I saw balls. Oh, it has a ball sack, right? Yeah, it does. He's holding See? it. But like, it's one of those that has tons of veins in it. Like, it's supposed to be a real penis, but nothing about that looks. Like, if someone did pull that out, I'd be like, you need to see somebody. So, what would this Asian man do on the train? Like, <gasps> so he just takes it out. So, what he would do is he, he sits on the train. And after everybody files and the doors close and it leaves the station, he takes it and w- just waves it around and like stabs it at you people. <laughs> so the man sits on the train, waits for people to get on, then waves his dildo and st- stabs it out around. And, and that's he, a beautiful thing. And he looks like you know he's not really hurting anybody. And you could tell homegirls like people are literally just sitting by him like whatever. You know, it's five o'clock on the F train. You're just getting home from work. I, if it's not. 
even of the stinkiest homeless man, if I'm tired enough, I'll just sit there. I take it. <laughs> Whatever. People get on there all the time begging for money or singing songs they shouldn't be singing. I look right or trying to them. tell jokes. This is something that I would love to see on the train. Yes. Any given day just when I've had a hard that. day. And he looks so happy. He's so happy to be. I happy. wish I was ever that happy doing something for free. <laughs> but the question is. What is he doing with that dildo? Or what is he planning on doing with it when he gets to his stop? <laughs> like, girl. Maybe it's his wife's lucky day. What's the funniest day. thing you've ever... It is. What's the funniest thing you've ever seen on the train? Oh, God. The funniest thing I've ever seen on the train. Um, it's not... It wasn't really funny at the time, but I often <laughs> look back at it with fondness and you know, like laugh at the past. <laughs> uh, I used to live in Sunset Park in Brooklyn. And I would take the in or the queue, and I'd always get a, get into the last car because that was right closest to the stairs. So I always got in the last car. And every couple of weeks, there would be just like poop, <laughs> a big old dookie log. Human. Oh. Of course. Oh God! And a healthy human, I would say too. Because it had it was it was always together, pristine. It looked text, textbook. It was gorgeous. It wasn't great. No. And sometimes it would be smashed, though, which I always wondered, did they smash it? Sometimes it would be perfect. Sometimes it would be smashed and smeared. I am so grossed out. It's disgusting. Oh. And the fact is, like, I was paying money to, for these services. But it would be like clockwork. It would be every two weeks. Just <laughs> la last car. And I'm hooked. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I mean, I feel like I'm in the salad days now, but I was in the salad days, honey. And I was so tired because I was working two jobs and going to school and interning. And I would just be like, fuck it. And, I just, <laughs> and you would sit down with the poop on the car? Not, yeah, in the poop car. Because everything, because everybody else would... <laughs> would run away. Or be all at the end. And so I would sit, I would sit pretty damn close to the poop. Regina. I would be so tired, Danielle. I was nannying, There's something waitressing, like interning. <laughs> And going to like school dog time. dog shit. It's still gross and smells bad. But like I can be near that. I cannot be near somebody else's human poop. I can't go back. I'm never. I can't go back to that. No, like you'll never do that now. Like you're not. Like if, that, if that if that happened today, I would take a cab. I'd be like, I can't even. <laughs> I can't. Mama, we made it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like Uber. If you, you see something, me. say something. If you see something, say something. Which is what happened but with this But could you imagine telling a conductor, oh, there's poop? They'd Excuse be like, oh, Ma'am, well. this is New York. Yeah. Show me something that I ain't seen. <laughs>
like light skin, curly hair. Like he he had on a suit, no harm, no foul. To me, you know how it is in New York. When you look at people, you eyeball them, you judge them, you see if it's okay to sit next to them type thing. Mm-hmm. You kind of make that quick snap judgment. And with him, I did that. And I was like, okay, he's in a suit, whatever. So I sit down across from, and it's, mind you, it's late. It's like after midnight. I sit down across from him and he just kept staring at me. But I'm tired. So, I, and you know, on the train, it's very easy to fall asleep. So I'm dozing in and out of sleep. But every time I wake up just a little bit, like almost maybe every stop or so, I see him still looking at me. And now it's getting to the point where it's a little creepy because he's like, he's really looking. And, you know, it's like you're right across from me. So then at one point it was like I I, I slept. But then I woke up and I saw him and he was making this jerking motion with his arm. But it was like he had his pointer finger in his thumb. Like as if, you know, you're you're, it looks like the motion of saying like, oh, this much. You know what I mean? So he had this pointer finger in his thumb and it was down towards his crotch area in his jerking jerking motion. And it took me forever for some reason, maybe because I was so tired and in and out of sleep, to figure out what the hell he was doing. He was jacking off in front of me, I guess to me, because mind you also I forgot that I had, um, I was sitting in the seat with my legs up on the seat, like stretched out because... I was young and reckless. Whatever. Who cares? <laughs> I was tired. Picture was one of the old cars. It was the, one of, you know how the three trains are? Yeah. So he was sitting in the seat that had the two seater. And then oh, I was sitting across from him in gross. like the four seater. Yeah. With my legs up. And it was summertime. So um, he was definitely That's jacking not, off. This is not funny. It was funny to me. <laughs> now, like, in the same sense of it being funny to you later. Okay, yeah. It was the scary in the moment. Guy, that guy's everywhere. He's a- but no, in the, in the moment, it was hilarious. So he's sitting there jacking off. But it, what was funny is that I didn't recognize what he was doing because his penis was, was so, so small. small. And mind you, like I said, this guy was like football player build. Oh. And actually really freaking cute. He must be. Like he could have got it. If, if he played his cards right. If he had waited to start jacking off when we got home. When we got back to my house, then that would have been a different then story. it would have been fine. But we could have still been together. <laughs> that could have been my man. <laughs> but what were you going to tell people? <laughs> he was so attracted to me that he couldn't help himself. He couldn't wait. He couldn't wait. And you should have been like, so you want the digits or not. So clearly you like it. Like, imagine it naked. Oh. But yeah, it was one of those things that was funnier after because I... Like, when I realized what was going on, obviously, I went to the next <laughs> car. But I laughed when I got there because I was You like, should have laughed in his face. Like, excuse I cannot. Like, I was just so shocked. And I was like, and the thing was, God. it was a populated train. Oh. So, people were on it. And people definitely saw him. I was like, somebody could have woke me up. But you know how it is. I guess people don't want to get themselves involved into maybe other like, people's. Maybe they're together. Maybe this is the strangers on the train game that they play. Like, yeah, their foreplay game. But yeah, that was one of the funniest things that's happened. But God bless Dildo Man. Dildo Terrorist. Well, I'm glad that there were other people on the train or else that would have been really scary. Yeah, it could have gotten really crazy. But I, I'm glad that nothing happened. His penis was just super small and he needed to get off. Ugh. I mean, how can I help being so sexy that I'm somebody's jerk move, jerk muse? I don't know if it's you or I think they might be. Hey, bitch, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> they might be pumping pheromones into the subway that only certain dirt bags. I think so. It's like dog whistles. But you, you did say he was cute, but that doesn't mean he's not a dirt bag. Cute ones usually are. Oh, are you, is that how you feeling about this? That was just the. I know.
know some sexy dudes that are not scumbags, so I don't want to say that. But yeah, for the sake of a joke. This is my confession. <laughs> don't tell what, who what hurt you. Who hurt you? <laughs> who hurt you? All, all of that to say, if you see something, you better say something. Say something, boo. Say hey, dildo. I don't, just, I don't even know. The, uh, the few times, I've seen a dick on the subway a few times, and... Usually, I am the only person. The two two times this happened, I was the only person on the train, so that was not okay. Nah, I got someone who rubbed their their dick on my butt they one time, and I stay it was doing that. So it was so crowded, and I just was like, "Get your dick off me!" I screamed it. Yeah, get your dick like off super me. dramatic. I was like, "Do not rub your dick on me," because you could tell that he had it out of his pants. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like the feelings. Yeah. You get at crowded trains. Well, and I know this is an call Michael to, to come, come back for vomit sounds. The vomit sounds. We're going to have to pay him overtime. It's 7 o'clock. Do you think it's rude we call him at home? No. He knows what we be doing. Like, call him. Bring him in. Vomit noises. Uh, yeah. Hey guys, what, what's going on? Hey Mike, I know you just got home. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm home. I just got to Queens. Oh, well, have you like taken off your coat and shoes yet? Uh, no. Oh, do you need me to come back? Oh yeah, I sure Aww. hate to do this to you, Mike. You know, I. Uh, you should take an Uber here. Oh, okay. Uh, we'll we'll put we'll, it on your company card. We'll do that. We'll put it on. We'll get you to put it on your company card, Mike. Okay, Is that see cool? you. See you in like twenty. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, uh, I'll be right there. Okay. Why does his phone hang up like that? Because he's poor. <laughs> Michael's poor. Just kidding. He's not. We're not paying for that. I will <laughs> never approve that. I would never I'll, Uber for anyone. I'll never approve that expense sheets. <laughs> he gets here. We'll be like, what? <laughs> No, let's leave before he gets here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. So, uh, wait, you have, an, you have an outstandingly hilarious topic that's Do also I? part of the city news. Oh, my goodness. Everybody. Hide your kids. Hide your husbands. Because this woman in the Bronx is out here marrying all of them. Oh. All the He's husbands. He's got one of those bulldozing vaginas that's just coming down. So, <laughs> there's this beautiful creature, 38-year-old. Whose eyebrows um, are ugly. I mean, from what I could see in the photo. This the 38-year-old woman named Liana Barrientos. It's always a Liana. <laughs> always a Barrientos. Okay. Somebody with who rolls the R's in their names, they always a troublemaker. But she is from the Bronx. Uh -huh. Which is the the highest up borough in New York, the nosebleed section the of New York City. Bleed. But so Linda, Liana has gotten in trouble. This story was in New York Magazine. She's gotten in trouble for marrying way too many men. They say she's been divorced at least four times. Oh well, she gets divorced, so some of them. She's, some of them. <laughs> she's tied the knot a half a dozen times in tw in two thousand two alone. How? I don't know how that works. Girl, when you get out um, of prison, write yourself a book, honey. Yes. This is actually would be a really great book. And if if Liana was a white girl, she would have already had a book deal anyway. But 
What? You think, do you think the white people just get things dropped ma magically in their left? Yes, that's his, this is how the world works, no. bitch. It's called white privilege. No, it's not. Liana needs to start making phone calls to Simon. Simon she would have had a book. Penguin. Without penguin. making a phone call if she was like, that's what white privilege is. No, she, she, but she, they have to at least make the phone call first. She, the, the point of her getting in trouble was because she only, she gets in trouble when she marries a, a new guy, or in her case, several guys. Without obtaining a divorce, mm -hmm. so she's she's now facing That's felony so fraud charges because she's been divorced at least four times from her husband's number one, two, five, and seven, but not long after marrying husbands three through nine, and she applied. Oh it's so confusing because there's so many husbands. Well, the thing is, when you go to get your marriage license, they ask you to you have to say whether you're divorced or not. Because I remember cracking up. Yeah. And then if you were, you have to come on that day. You have to bring your proof of divorce. And I love because when I went to go get my marriage license in Brooklyn, there was this woman in front of us who straight up was like, well, can't we like get, you know, and they were like, you need to have your proof of divorce. See, I guess that's maybe I, that's now. I, I really appreciated the gangsterness of it that she was just like, give Do me, I need to bring it? Give me this license real quick. Because I'm just trying to get this She was trying to get that done. She had a green card. She's like, honey. I will come, I will fax it. Can I email it to you? Can, Can you I, just come over to my house and pick it up? My sister's at my place. Can just she, come back with me. Can she text a picture of it? Can she send a text picture with a date beside it so you know it's her? With a remote to compare the size? news in the background with the today's date on it yes but the thing is maybe they're doing that now because okay. when did you get your marriage license uh about two years ago okay so like tw 2013 yeah and nancy nancy why am i calling her nancy what Thank now she's nancy, nancy. <laughs> so liana's been doing this since 1998 so this might have been in a time so where they weren't really cross-referencing cross <laughs> and checking and she would also because they were like oh we got to go in the back for that we, we're not doing that <laughs> So she was, she, you know how New York is. Like, they were like, fuck it. You just, yeah. Can I help you? No one, I feel like you, <laughs> she was, like, you look familiar. It's like, no. No. Have you ever been married before? No. And that was the thing. She hasn't applied for, the last time she applied for a marriage license was in 2010. So how's she so, been getting married? But she's claimed that it was her first and only time at the altar. So she wasn't checking that box saying that I've been divorced or I've been married before. But... <laughs> Her motive, they said that her motive is something that's practical. So let's let's dig into her motive. They, um, the Times says, the Bronx District Attorney's Office on Thursday said that the Federal Department of Homeland Security, it went all the way to Homeland Security, which handles some immigration affairs, was involved in, in Liana's case. Agency officials has, haven't responded, but the information on the immigration statuses of Liana's husbands was not immediately available. So they're not keeping proper records or something. But like you said, the oh, applications, you, you're required to bring birth certificates of both people. Oh, it's a nightmare. Um, and That's what, you know what, that's, what, okay, yes, you have to bring your birth certificate, what else? You have to bring, um, it says you have, but the State Department, we have to bring, I can't remember, we have to bring something else. But the thing is, you have to do go through all of these things to get that certificate that, Really, I don't even understand how some people, like, if you are even thinking uh, this might not be the man or woman for me, after you get out of that line, or even, or you've been waiting for about an hour, 
I'm surprised some people don't just jump out and say, fuck it. I mean, this is too yeah, much work. It's a lot of work. And also, like, let's, let's think of, as a married woman, mm-hmm. I know that you so much enjoy your husband. You guys have been married for a good two years now. Yeah. Newlyweds. Yeah. But, you know, marriage is not the easiest thing in the world. And what would make a woman want to get married all of these many times? It's and I'm, that she I'm had been married. she was married some guys. Not, they can't have all been rich either. They couldn't have been. And the funny thing is... She got married on Long Island on Valentine's, on Valentine's Day. And then again, 15 days later. And then 13 days after that, while still married to the last two guys, she married another one. Wow. And a few weeks later... <laughs> New York Times ain't shit. And then a few weeks later, when the average bride might still be recovering from her honeymoon, Liana was named so shady. in a divorce proceedings initiated by the man she married three years before. So maybe this guy was trying to move on. And maybe that's how she was found was, out. He's a dummy and went down to go. He was getting married to someone else. He met someone new, and she was like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, get rid of that wife." And he, little did he know, she'd moved on several times. She moved times. on several times. Ten marriages. I mean, God bless you, Liana Bradientos, for being married ten times since 1998, um, and not doing divorces. And just, is she like thinking maybe I, um. I can't, he can't hit it unless he's committed. And Maybe she's so, like, I'm not so liking gets, this penis, so I'm going to go for another one. And then she's like, he can't have sex with me. And then mm-hmm. like, okay. I think, I don't know what it is. I just, maybe she has like a, a hustle around, like a scam around getting married, getting on somebody's insurance. Because That's insurance more is expensive. Or, Taxes are crazy. Um, or she could be getting married for green, like for giving them green cards, or you know, doing that. But then they would be in on it, and they wouldn't be filing for divorce to make her look because that that doesn't make sense. She yeah. probably just mentally ill, and she has her pussies lined with diamonds or something. <laughs> I was like, mind in my business. One thing about striking up no karma. And that is, it is kind of comedy related because when I heard the story, I thought it was a joke. Mindy Kaling's brother, Mindy Kaling, the amazing writer, comedian um, uh, of the cult hit The Mindy Project. CNN and other outlets are reporting that her brother, VJ, who, middle name is Jojo. And not even like V.J. It's like VJ. V-I-J-A-Y. VJ. Chokalingam. Um, that sounds like a sexual position. Only to you. Come on. Chokalingam. Nasty. It sounds like you're choking somebody while you're giving them head. Cunnilingus. Chokalingus. Chokalingam. That sounds like you're choked while you're getting hit. Girls give head, don't do No, I say, I say that as a form of going down on a girl. I say it sometimes like, oh, you know, that, I want so some head. You can't, no, because that puts another, that puts a... So it sounds like you're being mm, choked while you're being going down on. Munched. Carpet, Mun- carpet Why your carpet is getting munched? Why are you getting a little, uh... So I'm going to do a little, a little rug tonight. A little rug doctor? <laughs> a little rug, a little rug. The rug doctor came to visit? Well, you know what? The rug doctor didn't come to visit... Or, you know what, VJ never became a rug doctor. That's what happened. Um, and he probably won't be getting any rug, rug these days because he is trying to float a book and a story about 
Um, he pretended to be black to get into medical school. And the book that he's trying to write around that is called Almost Black. <laughs> I can't. I will. And I want to read it. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not going to read it. I'm going to wait for someone puts excerpts online, and then I'm just going to... About how he got into med school pretending to be so black. So he pretended to be black. And this is all... I don't... He, no, so far... And this asshole... First hold on, hold on, hold on. So he... He uh, had a 3.1 GPA, and he got in his mind that he could only, he could, <laughs> he would be a stronger candidate, or, or, I don't know if the experiment came first or the desperation. The desperation. But he decided that he was going to apply to medical school as an African American on the hunch that even though he has less than stellar grades, he could be admitted because of affirmative action. Right. And Which doesn't only work for black people, right? That is my people first of color. Thought. It's for people of color and women. All right? All right. And so, <laughs> first of all, he would have had a point if he had applied to medical school first as an Indian man, had been rejected, and then applied to the same ones with the same criteria, with this time being black. But he went about it the wrong way, and he just looks stupid. And now he's trying to... Uh, he's got a, a retarded website that I'm not even going to tell you guys what it is. You can find it yourself. But And he's trying to shop a book and embarrassing himself and his sister in the process. The craziest part of it is that, sure, you could change your racial background on mm -hmm. these applications, but did you change the name VJ Chokel Ingram? No, what he did was he went by, and that's not, first of all, this is fraud. Let's get that. You can't I was, apply I, to school I, with a fake name. That's what I'm saying. When I applied to school for a theater program, you know, you had to have all the things that you would, uh, first certificate. When I take a fucking writing class that's a one class, you got to apply with your real name. It doesn't. No, you don't have to apply with your real name and things like that, for sure. But this is what I was trying did. to make a joke. Oh, okay. I'm oh, sorry. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay. Well, this is what he did. This is why, first of all, he... He went by JoJo, which is middle name. I don't understand how he got in with... I feel like he might be outing himself for some sort of fraud because he didn't have a social security number in the social security number. And, and choking and ham, okay, maybe that could be anything. I don't really know. That sounds pretty Indian to me. But he then decided to go to 11 in-person interviews and pretended to be black, and I don't even want to know what that shit was. Yeah, because I'm like, well, did he... Cause did, Eleven did interviews. He, did he? What? He shaved his head and shaved his eyelashes because everybody knows. I don't know if the eyelashes. Long Indian eyelashes. This news to me. That is a stereotype. Like that honey. was going to be it. They're like, Nigga. I would have thought you were black until those eyelashes. Until I saw those eyelashes. <laughs> this is a this is a melodrama, and I wish she would like. And she should have covered this in the mini project. She should. She really should have. That's, because that's, I mean, they could have made it a funny like. You know what I mean? A and funny situation. Is, and no shade to those the doctors out there that have gone to St. He wound up going to St. Louis University School of Medicine and did not finish, by the way. And pretended to be black the whole time he was there. Yes. And that's, so, so some of these things don't add up. But anyway, the school is between the 57th and 67th in national ranking. I just, like, don't, I don't want him to be my doctor. But don't front like you got into Yale. Yeah. You got into UPenn or John Harvard. Hopkins. Like, you got into a, a lower-tier school Lewis. that I would expect would accept someone with a 3.1. It's not the worst GPA, but you know what I'm saying? Like, he's acting like affirmative action opens up the doors to uh, Princeton. 
<laughs> and I'm like, dude. So you went to like a third tier med school, bro. Like, but then you it, to sit down and you didn't finish. But then went on to graduate from UCLA Anderson's MBA program as himself. As himself. Which does not mean anything to me. And the funniest thing of this all, Danielle, is that this motherfucker teaches courses on how to do interviews and um, is a professional resume writer. Are you kidding me? I just you were you made a you were trying to make a career out of being a liar and a bad one at and that and a bad one and, and you had the nerve to be writing resumes for a living. Why didn't you become a lawyer? I'm, you like lying. How about oh, <laughs> go chase an ambulance because we know you'll never work on one. Boom. <laughs> the funniest thing is that he has quotes. Uh, oh, wait, no. Oh, God. So he says, I'm writing this book to show my opposition to affirmative action discrimination. Oh. It's specifically at my alma mater, UCLA, but in the American education system in general. Racism is not the answer, okay. sir. It also promotes negative stereotypes about the competency of minority Americans make, by making it seem like they need special treatment. Says the one that didn't finish. No, no, but you the one that went through to get special treatment. Thank you. You went through the most elaborate scheme ever to get special treatment. And you could have gotten it anyway because your ass is brown. And you could exactly. And then on top of the fa fact that he's like, I would, I got special treatment to get into med school because they thought I was black, and then I didn't even finish. It's like, yeah, because you needed that special treatment because that was the only way you were gonna get in, boo boo. And Mindy's like. I also don't want nothing to do with this. She's distancing herself as so, anybody would. It's like. <laughs> My star is shining and you want to go and tell people that you're pretending to be black exactly. as if we are not in the struggle with black people too. Exactly. That's, that's what, now I cannot stand the other browns and minorities they act like and they're yellows not as brown as we are. At trying to, that's that uppity shit. I'm like, listen here, motherfucker. You just like us. There's a reason why we, we're collectively a minority. Yes. Even though there's more of us than anyone else, but we're we're technically and all minorities all, together. All the troubles that the Indian community in America and in Europe have faced, and you're gonna jump on black folks like you got your own problems. You know what? You know what it is. Why isn't he? Doing I'm actually glad that they love to imitate. Because no, he, he's not trying to imitate. He's no, he did. He did use it to do what he did with medical school, but he also said that it helped. Being black helped him get chicks. Oh, that's uh, that's and that's if that's how that's the imitation him, part of it. That's the, yeah, I'm but, flattered. Okay, I guess black guy around who? getting all the chicks. By chicks. who? Some. Um, I, uh, do you think it was quality pussy? No, it couldn't have been. <laughs> no way to hell. And not at St. Louis Medical University. <laughs> no, I'm sure there's some women that are fierce there. Oh, girl, I know you are. If they had to, uh, if they got with someone who was moonlighting as a black guy, like, you can't even tell. You, you, it's just so you know, they bad. They don't even know the real thing. They was going to take anything. It's so bad. And then, oh, the kicker, the comparison he made. Oh, well, I didn't see that He part. compared himself to Rosa Parks. Well, aren't on we all Twitter. Rosa Parks on Friday afternoon? <laughs> aren't we all a little bit of Rosa Parks? That's our title. <laughs> oh, aren't we Rosa. all Rosa Parks? But he said in a tweet. Oh God, you know he needs to get all. They, so, you know what? He needs his internet privileges revoked. That's what they should need to start handing out to some people. He does it, it revoked the internet. So he officially he, he tweeted hashtag affirmative action is discrimination. It's a lie to call. It's a lie to call it else. I got into medical school with a 3.1 GPA as black. Then someone responded, wow, 
What did what you did is sketchy. Thanks for speaking out about it and drawing attention to the problem, though. <laughs> and oh, then he God. and then VJ responds, "Was Rosa Parks sketchy? Should I accept sec- second class treatment? Better to, to better to defy those who wanted to discriminate against me." Okay, pick, what are you trying? What is he trying? What to is say? your argument? What is your argument? Affirmative action works for people of color and women. But he's trying to go against. Those who wanted to discriminate against him, and who is who are those people? The black people that you emulated, the white people who accepted you, uh, or there's so much confusion in this stupid, stupid plan. Anyway, I will continue to support Mindy because only because I want him to stay thirsty and salty and mad at her success <laughs> and bring shame to their. I can't wait to Indian family. I can't wait for him to show up at Thanksgiving so mad. Still mad. Oh, he is not invited. You know they don't have no Thanksgiving. They're American, are they? Yeah, no, she's like. Well, I feel like they watched, have like Diwali. Have you, have you watched her show? Yeah, but she still celebrates Diwali on her show. Well, I didn't say she couldn't, but I'm saying they also celebrate Thanksgiving. They're American. I hope that they bring him to like the Thanksgiving dinner or the Diwali, whatever they have, and I hope they're like. Well, VJ, did you bring the fried chicken and the watermelon? I hope they don't say those sorts of things. I want them to pick on him. What I want, but that would be what I want them to do is be like, God, I wish you were black. You might be interesting. Because like, otherwise, I'm bored. What? God, I wish we had a black. They should actually hire a black actor to come to Thanksgiving and start referring to him as VJ, and and then and ice him and like, we love you, VJ. You, you, you've always made us proud. Always. Even when you chose your black name after a singing group from the 90s who are currently on drugs. Casey and JoJo. Oh. JoJo! What's in, so, anyways, on CNN, they cover this and wrap it up. And what's interesting, I don't really know how to feel about this, but they ended it with a quote uh, saying that Kaylin's immense talent, speaking of Mindy, not her brother, Kaylin's immense talent and charisma made her a star. But it was a quota-based affirmative action initiative, NBC's Diversity Writers Program, that gave her a start. Mm. 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 And that's why, that's really why VJ mad. Because he was like, oh, affirmative action worked for you to be yourself? Wait, it worked, yeah. You, wait, you were yourself and they or accepted is, you? Or maybe like a, a Chokum, whatever his last name, Chokalangum too? Girl, yes. Mindy Chokalangum? Yeah, she goes by, I think her name is Vera Mindy Chocoling. I hope we're saying this wrong because I, I hope it's pronounced a more eloquent way. And that's probably why she changed it to Kaling because because everybody it. messes it up all the time. Right. But yeah, she is a chocolinga. A chocolinga. Well, I appreciate that. I'll be doing all the chocolingums left tonight, getting choked and getting going down on. No, but I plan on figuring something out. <laughs> Stranger danger, Danielle. Stranger danger. Hey, I worry. tender. I'm gonna be swiping left and right. It's it's seven thirty. I can't. Be I got, on tender I like, after seven thirty. I'm like such an old married lady. I'm, I'm like, like wait, what's gonna happen? A gentleman caller after <laughs> after seven thirty. You're not a lamb. I'm clutching my pearls over here. I found. I used no. I used to turn up too. I don't. I, I, yeah, I, I never did that shit. You know, I need some attention. <laughs> that that was no, that was too real. It was too real. Yeah, I felt like it was funny. I like a laugh at my pain. I love yeah. laughing at my pain. Yeah. So moving on. 
Fuck you, Chocolingham. Yeah, bye, VJ. Bye, VJ. And any, if any woman we see out there with VJ after this, girl, we know you don't know what's up. <laughs> At all. Maybe, oh, maybe Liana Barrientos can find her next we'll have, man. Would have married and divorced him within 24 hours. No, she don't do divorces. Oh, she doesn't divorce. We're just getting <laughs> Until I leave. You, you, until I marry someone else next week. <laughs> but no, she should She should write a book about how to get married quickly. I wouldn't accept any of her other life advice. How to lose a husband in one day and gain another one in another day. <laughs> how to lose and gain two husbands in 48 hours. Hey. There's some title in there somewhere. There's, there's actually some really good advice in, inside of Liana Body and those somewhere. Have you ever read a, read a dating advice book? Um, for shits and giggles, I read the thing like a man, and um, oh, you read that. yeah, it's good. Actually. Okay, I didn't read that. I read oh, uh, what book did I read? I read something called like Why Men Marry Bitches and Why Men Love Bitches. It was something like that. Um, I've heard a lot about that. I, re- I read two books, but you know, I won't say one. One, they were pretty good advice. They were just terribly. Uh, the titles are really long, and I can't. Every time I have to tell someone, I can't remember what they were called. Um, but I just think it's funny that you know, are there? There are not a lot of books out there for how how men can catch a wife. Right. There's never any because men are so. And busy I bought them both secondhand. Advice. Thank you very much. I bought them both at like. Uh, oh, what you didn't you buy, buy them on, on retail, so they didn't get any <laughs> bestseller points from me. Right. Well, I think it's our next business venture is to write a dating advice book for men. Because women don't do that for men, and men do it for women all the time. Are men going to read it? No, what we have to do is pull a VJ, pretend to be black guys, oh. write the book, and tell it that way. Yes. Then they'll read it. <laughs> we can call it Black to Dating. Okay, well, you know, I mean, this is a brainstorm session. Yeah. I always get there. I start off a little rocky, but we'll get there. Black to date. What is it? Is that supposed to be a play on back? Yeah. I don't like it. Wait, keep going. Um, I want to play on black, though, because we're pretending to be black guys. Oh, yeah. No, you know what? It should. Oh, it should be like like slang. No. How to. We got to appeal to the male ego. So it needs to be like how to stop being a player and get real. <laughs> Because, you know, guys think that they're players and they, they're not, you know? But so they, and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm trying to retire from the player. Stop life. being a player. Yes. And get real. And then we can be, like, back-to-back on the back of the book with our arms crossed. As men? Like, yeah, and getting real. Drag. Okay. I, I, want, I want a beard. How are we going to hide our boobies? So from the neck up. Neck up. What kind of black men are we? I see myself as, like, an intellect. But, like, I still like to listen to 2 chains. <laughs> you know, but secretly, ironically, or you blast two chains at parties. No, right? I blast two chains at parties. I'm known to like have no, no, two not cha- you, black man, you. Oh, I'm sorry, black, black man, me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm known to listen to two chains. Like, they know that's my nigga. Like, okay. they know. I don't know. I don't know if you're a black man. I want to be. I think I'm. You would be dreads. You would. You would definitely be one dreads. Oh no, no. I'm gonna. I want to be bald. You know what? When you initially said that, I saw you bald with yeah. glasses and a goatee. <gasps> Ooh, I don't like goatee. But okay, but uh, I like but, your look like that. Well, we need to look like players or that reformed players. Um, what we need is to be back to back 
looking fly and we had like babies in our hands. <laughs> or is that not appealing to men? I don't think the that's appealing to men. The baby's too much. Okay, can we have Women an insert where we're pushing cart? Oh God. But the, if, if, if we were marketing it to women. We're, okay, so no babies. Because women love men with babies. So then I don't, I want to look like a man I, that I, another man would trust. Because I kind of want to be ugly. I want to be like an ugly dude. I want to be handsome. Not like devastatingly handsome, but like handsome enough to where like if you see me, you're like, damn, he's fine. But like you're not like tripping over it. Like, but you're like, damn, he's really fine. Oh, well, we got a lot of work to do then. Yeah, because I also see myself with like big muscles. Oh my god, you want But to, not like defined so abs, like but I want like a big chest. Okay, okay, so then you, you're like, so you'll, so your persona will be like the retired clubber guy. Like I used to be a bouncer. In, no, you were always in VIP. You know, you were in the club, not watching it. And so, and like, so guys were like, oh yeah, like he knows, he, and you were like waking up every night with a different girl in your bed. Yeah, and I work for a cable company, so like. Wait, why do you work for. Because this is, uh, let me tell you, this is the player mentality. I started out working at a cable company, right? Okay. And that's how I would meet a lot of bitches. Because I would go to hook up cable oh. for them. Oh, I hear and that. Every, and, and women started hearing about me. Like, they knew, like, this. there was this hot cable guy with, like, muscles. And I would, like, roll my shirt up enough so they could see my muscles. And so they would, like... This is your sexual fantasy. I know. <laughs> Where's all of this coming from? But so, and then I eventually, after 15 years, I leave the cable company. 15 years? I put in my time. Okay. But I put in my time because I also have a son and but I'm providing are, for how him. How are you having time to be a player? Because I only work a certain amount of hours. Okay. You I know what thinking, I, And I'm I playing thinking, at night. I was thinking more you have like a nightlife job so that you, uh, like you work and like management, you know, like No, that guys. should be you. No, because I'm. Because I want to be a cable guy. No, because I'm going to try to, my black male persona is going to try to appeal to like the nerdier black guy um, so like i'm going to be like all about comics but see i feel like the player type is like i want to start off like i wasn't I, I wasn't shit like i was terrible i was playing women and then i got smart well i guess it doesn't make sense for me to be too nerdy it's like no okay but i what kind of player was i then you're a smart player oh i was in business or something so yeah, like you, I, you I, own I, your was own lead, business. I, I was always leading with my money. Yeah, you own your own business. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure. And I was like, oh, I'm ugly. Music industry business. Yeah, and so like, I'm an executive. So you and do do like, nightlife stuff. And I was le just leading with my money, and I would never have confidence. I feel like girls wouldn't really like me, so I had to buy them things. And yeah. Okay, great. So let's get started <laughs> on that. We're going to take a hiatus from Dozen Up for the City for a little bit. <laughs> to develop our black men personalities so and we, lives. So that we can um, hustle that book, yo. Thanks, VJ. Thanks, for the, for the smarts. Oh, who's coming up? We have an exciting interview next week. We do. I forgot that it's oh, it's already going to be for next week. Wrap, wrap. So we have the very freaking talented, gorgeous, awesome Chloe Hilliard, who's going to be joining us next week. Chloe is a comedian after my own heart. Because she started as a journalist. Oh, cool. Um, um, writing for The Source and a bunch of other different magazines. Well, we're not going to tell all her story now because we got to have something to talk about next week. Oh, we have tons to talk about. But now she's a comedian doing her damn thing. And she's going to join us on the show. So definitely tune in for a special episode 10. Check us out on iTunes, Twitter, uh, SoundCloud, and Facebook. We are Just Enough for the City. And, oh, 
I was, gonna, I was turning to you so you'd be like, bye. Oh! <laughs> we have to go before Michael gets back. We have to go. Michael's going to... Oh, he's already here in the cab. No, turn off the lights. <laughs> bye! <laughs>